Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion, Tuesday, July 28th. Thank you for being a part of this gathering where we gather together and just say, you know, with God's help, we're going to make it. We're going to see it through. So we welcome you to this place of support, strength, encouragement. Maybe welcome to a bit of sanity in a world that seems to have lost theirs. Welcome to a time, a place, a setting where we can pray for one another, believe together that God is going to make a difference, to encourage one another. Oh, as we see that day approach, let's gather all the more together. My name is Ken Gurley. If you don't know that, I'm Pastor First Church. And for going on a year, we've gathered on weekday mornings to lift up the name of Jesus. Do you know that by the time we reach Friday of this week, we will have done two 150 morning devotions. Can you believe that? 250 times we've gotten together again. Next week is our one-year anniversary. We gather together to lift up the name of Jesus, to, to, like Aaron and her, to lift up the hands of the Moseses amongst us. I don't know if that is even a good expression, the Moseses amongst us. That doesn't even make sense. I have no idea how Facebook is going to translate that into text at the bottom. That will be curious to see. Well, we've come to lift up the name of Jesus, to lift up one another's hands. And at times we've called out individual needs, but now the needs are getting so numerous, so great, so plentiful. And I'm just asking you, would you lift them, list them out to the side where we can all see and share one with another and all pray and all bind together with one another? I, I do this once a week just to anchor this in reality. Over 16 million cases of the COVID-19 virus in the world, 4 million in the United States, over 400,000 of them here in the state of Texas. It's here. It's real. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. Our kingdom is not of this earth. And it's one of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Amen. And no matter what comes, what happens, we are in this together and the Lord is with us. If you would, like the page, follow the page, share the page. We are excited. We're looking at another avenue. We'll keep doing this here on Facebook, but also looking at another avenue for those that are not on Facebook. Should be announcing that soon. Sometimes the answer is in the question. If you ask the right question, you'll discover the right answer. And today, I'm going to ask you three questions, three questions to get to the root of the issue and to get to the right answer. Are you ready? Okay, here's the quiz. Here we, here's the quiz. Why am I so fatigued? Why am I so frustrated? And why have I grown so forgetful? Now, we can say stress. We can say the spirit of the age, but the answer may surprise you. 
I, I, I want to call this today the peril of tangents. It's a very real peril. It's a very real danger. It was many years ago I came across a quote from a television actor that just resonated with me. I, I've never seen the show, so I don't know anything about it. It was called Home Improvement. The actor in that sitcom was Tim Allen, and he asked the question, how much of the day are you really awake? You think, well, I got to get the dry cleaning and I got to get going. I got to do this and I got to do that. And and he said, all of a sudden, it's it's dinner time. And then there may be a moment of connection with your spouse or family and friends. And you, you read a while, you go to bed and you wake up and then you do the same thing all over again. Tim Allen said, you're not really awake. You're not really living and you're not really experiencing life. He said, we start early medicating ourselves. We start kids early on TV and video games and so forth. And it's daunting to know how many possibilities here are in life for each and every one of us. But rather than face, rather than face those possibilities that I may be a failure success or a success, here's what he said. People find diversions diversions. You're getting close to the answer of those three questions. Why am I so fatigued, frustrated, and forgetful when you use the word diversion? Do you remember what Jesus called himself? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, praise God. And he instructed his earliest believers to follow him, and he would make them into people they weren't. In fact, that making comes in the following, and the early believers were not called Christians. They were not called apostolics, Pentecostals. They were called followers or people of the way. They followed Jesus, who was the way, and he made them, and he transformed them and he changed their lives. You see, so long as we follow the way, as long as we follow his way, you're going to find life. You're going to find life everlasting and life abundantly here. Why do you think God warned his people so many times? I mean, Leviticus, don't learn the way of the Egyptians. Leviticus, again, don't learn the way of the Canaanites. Uh, Yeah, Deuteronomy, do not be ensnared by their ways. Judges, uh, do not learn the ways of the Amorites. Jeremiah, do not learn the ways of the nation. God spoke in something very significant to his people. We must learn and follow the way of God and the ways of God, or we're going to adapt and follow the many ways of this world, what the Bible calls the course of this world, the path of least resistance, the diversion, the tangent, where we get off the way and get on a way. We get off course. Yes, is it our nature? It is our nature. Oh, we like sheep. We go astray and we are going to get off track if left to ourselves and get, here we go. And that's where the fatigue comes in. And that's where the frustration comes in. And that's where the forgetfulness comes in. You see, when we are fatigued and frustrated and forgetful, it's a pretty sure sign. 
Hear me carefully. We're on the right. We're on the wrong path. We've gotten off the way. I know there's a fatigue near the finish line. I know that there's a fatigue like you'll never face. The closer you get to the open door, there are many adversaries. You're the closer you get to a breakthrough. You're going to get diverted. You're going to get. You're, there's going to be fatigue and tiredness and exhaustion. It's going to sweep over you. It's going to become a swamp. It's a common theme in literature. One of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous speeches was given at Oberlin College. Oberlin was home to the early holiness movement, a revival that spread across America. Oberlin was a stop on the Underground Railroad. It was in June 1965 that Dr. King spoke to the graduating class on remaining awake through a great revolution. And in that speech, he told the story by Washington Irving of Rip Van Winkle and that character that slept for 20 years. He fell asleep. The sign on his end in his hometown had a picture of British King George III. When he awakened, the sign had a picture of President George Washington. He had slept through the dawning of an age. Oh, can I just stop you right there? Can I stop you right there? We are in a pivotal age. We can't just quarantine our way through this age. We can't just kick up our heels and Netflix our way through this age. We can't just sit here and be deluge with media headlines and make it through this age. We've got to find the way and we've got to put our face and set it like a flint and say, God, make my forehead tougher than the adversity that I'm facing right now. I want to see it through. I can't sleep through a revolution. I've got to be awake to see the revelation of the glory of God in our midst. Can I get a witness to that? Oh, praise God. A more modern example in literature is uh, is L. Frank Baum's Wizard of Oz. And I, I, I don't know if you remember the story uh, uh, of that field of poppies that was near the Emerald City. And when Dorothy and Lion were overtaken by sleep, they were sleeping within sight of their destination, sleeping within sight of the Emerald City, or when Christian and Pilgrim's Progress came close to the celestial city, he was warned, you beware of forgetful green. It's the most dangerous place near the city. Here's how Bunyan described forgetful green. He told Christian, beware of forgetful green. Many after going some way on pilgrimage, get into this green and continue there. They are fallen asleep on forgetful green and they talk incoherently coherently as men often do in their sleep. Do you know that we're going to get frustrated, we're going to get fatigued, and we're going to get forgetful the closer we get to the crossing over. Uh, you and I have a more sure word of prophecy than fanciful stories. In the parable of the ten virgins, ten young ladies were set to be part of the bridal party. Their job was to illuminate the path of the groom en route to the bride's house. We're going to focus on the five that had all or the five that didn't have all, but all notice this, ever one of them was asleep at the midnight hour. Oil, or no oil. Every one of them battled fatigue. It reminds me of Elijah. Elijah ran. He was diverted from the way. He was diverted from his course. And now he is fatigued under a juniper tree. I'm told by people that run marathons. I do not run marathons. Oh yeah. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. The, we don't have many 
morning devotion marathoners. They're all out running right now. Yeah. But I'm told that eventually they're going to hit the wall. And that's when everything in them shuts down. It means when the runner's body is run out of glycogen, that body's quick storage for carbohydrates. Put, a, put another way, they just run out of gas. And it takes a supreme regimen of stamina and discipline and effort to, to break through that wall of fatigue. And the greatest temptation is diversion, to step away. There is a fatigue that comes from diversion. When you get on the wrong track and you're diverting, you're saying, I'm not going through. What is that old song? I'm going through. I'm going through. I don't care what the rest of the world is out to do. Uh, we all get fatigued, but don't you let your fatigue get you off track. Frustrated people can be off track. That's why the frustration is there. They are motivated without direction. They are spinning in circles, busy, 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 but not busy about the master's business. Uh, they are off track, not knowing where they're going, uh, trying. Oh, they're trying. They're busy, but they're not moving in the right direction. They're not sure-footed. There's no uh, wasted effort, no superfluous motion, streaking like arrows to targets. No, they're diverted. They're diverted. Uh, they're on a tangent. Uh, and I think God is speaking to us in our frustration. He is telling us when we're frustrated, we're not all, we're not all right. We've chosen the wrong path. You hear me carefully. There's a lesson Learn long and hard in life for the path that God wants me to walk. There is grace. There is grace to sustain me, to strengthen me, to endure me. But for the path that I choose to walk, there is no divine enablement. I'm going it alone. I'm walking it alone. Now, I don't want to walk this path without Jesus. I'm not walking in 2020 without Jesus. Uh, I've got to have him uh, by my side. Amen, amen, amen. You know in the Bible that Elijah is a type of uh, John the Baptist, or John the Baptist is a type of Elijah. He came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, whereas Jesus Christ came in the spirit and the power of Elisha. So when you read the story of Elisha in the Old Testament, you're seeing a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of a story in 2 Kings 6, when the sons of the prophets say, said, we're out of room. We got, we got to do something. We just got to do something. And they wanted to build a larger place. And the, the, the strategy was good. Each would go out in the forest, cut down a tree according to his own ability, and each would convert the timber to lumber, and each would do his part. Good strategy. And they asked Elisha, do you think this is a good idea? And he responded in the affirmative, yes, I think it's a good idea. But as they prepare to leave, I just love to picture this scene. As the sons of the prophet go off to do their business, one of them looks back at Elisha and says, but will you come with us? We're not going to walk this path alone. This path is too difficult. Elisha, will you come with us? Jesus, will you come with me? Down this road, if you will, I'm not going to battle fatigue and frustration and forgetfulness. Elisha's presence was needed. Oh, yes, it was, because the miracle of the borrowed axe head was about to take place while they were felling those trees. Do you get it? We frustrate ourselves when we take any Christless path. We are 
born of the Spirit, and we should be led of the Spirit. When we go our own way, follow our own path, we are bound to get frustrated. It means that we're on a tangent, and the peril of the tangent is you're going to run out of gas down that road, and you're going to get fatigued and frustrated and forgetful, and you're not going to know how to get back to the path where you took that detour. One of the greatest signs that we're on the wrong path is we for, we get forgetful and amnesia sets in. We just don't know what's happening. I, now, you and I, we rejoice in God's forgetfulness. He promises to remember our, remember our sins no more. That's a divine quality, quality to show mercy when we deserve judgment, to render grace for hurt. Uh, but we also rejoice in God's memory that he never forgets us. And he knows the way that we take. He knows them that are his. And he sees when any sparrow falls to the ground. And are we not worth more than many sparrows? Following God then and being like God is a combination of forgetting and remembering. To forget yesterday's failures and triumph. This one thing I do, I forget. Paul said, but to remember our need of God. And where he has brought us from. Simon Peter described one of the ways of God. In 2 Peter 1, he describes how to live this godly life. He describes at the outset how we encounter Jesus. And through Jesus, we escaped our past. And we escaped uh, uh, the world's corruption. And we we see milestones of progress uh, Simon Peter says you're going to see faith first and you're going to see moral excellence and virtue. Then you're going to pass knowledge and wisdom. You're going to start realizing you have self-control and through through that you're going to start enduring hardships and you're going to see godliness form and you're going to find people of like precious faith and brotherly affection and love for everyone. He said that's the way of God that you're going to see in your life. As Robert Frost said in the road not taken, a way leads on to way. When you choose your path, it leads, yes, to a certain destination, but it's going to lead to waypoints along the road of life. If you're on the right road, you're going to have faith and virtue and patience and godliness. And yeah, you're going to see it unfold in your life. But if you get on a different path, Peter said in verse 9 of 2 Peter 1, then you're nearsighted, you're blind, and you will forget that you were cleansed from your old sins. Generally, generationally, this is a huge problem in our midst. First generation people, they got on the way of faith. They knew where God had brought them from. Second generation people may have seen the change in that first generation. They saw the fruit of conversion. And so they follow close to the Lord because they see what had happened, what happened in the previous generation. But eventually generations are going to arise. They were born far from where their forefathers were. And they come into this thing not from a distant country. They were born into the church and they just don't realize how day after day, footstep after footstep that we can get forgetful of the price that was paid for us and of the blood that cleansed us. And we can get diverted 
And we can get on tangents. We can chase this little niche of doctrine. And we can chase that little niche of holiness. uh, And we can drift from God. We can argue about the the finer points of prophecy and when this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And we forget that it was his blood that put us on the right road. I don't want to ever forget. Jesus, let me never forget what you've done for me. I don't want to ever forget how you set me free. That's the path to get on. That's the path to get on. The blood of Jesus Christ. You're going to walk with him in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse you from all sin. Don't you dare get on another path other than that blood-stained path. That's what's going to carry us home, folks. That's what's going to get us there. Oh, praise God. Do you remember when the risen Lord gave the messages to John to give to the angels of the seven churches of Asia, Revelation 2 and 3? Many Bible scholars have pressed these seven churches to be indicative of seven ages of church history. I don't know. Ephesus representing the apostolic church of the first century, Smyrna, the persecuted church, Pergamos, the compromised church, Thyatira, the dark ages church, Sardis, uh, the reformation church, Philadelphia, the missionary movements uh, of the 18th and 19th century, and then Laodicea. Here we are the backslidden church of the last days. And I I, I don't know. I don't know if you can press those seven churches. I think it's an interesting theory. And who knows, it may have some validity. But if it does, then we would do well to notice that the last day church was marked by a Laodicean spirit. She was off track. A church off track. Believers off track. She didn't even know her condition. Didn't realize her condition. She was forgetful because she was diverted. Oh, yes, she was. She didn't know where she was at. She was off track. Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, the church of revival had been promised an open door, but Laodicea was marked by a closed mind. They were off track. And this is the picture of the way that is set before us today, church. One way is broad, wide, and comfortable, and the other one is narrow, and it's uncomfortable. One is the path of least resistance and complacency and lethargy and apathy and lukewarmness. The other one is a difficult path. But you choose. I choose. I choose. Robert Frost said in that most infamous poem of his, Two Roads Diverged in a Wood, I took the one less less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You see, even in this coronavirus pandemic world, even in this world of shelter in place, do do you know what disturbed me the other day that I read? They can tell with online Bible reading that Christians' Bible reading has suffered in the last six to eight weeks. Here we are in a pandemic, many with more time on their hands than what they've ever had, but they can't even read the word of God. We can't get detoured because a detour never leads you to Jesus. It's going to lead you to something or someone else. The writer of Hebrews said, we've got a great cloud of witnesses around us. Let's drop everything that slows us down. Anything that distracts us and look unto Jesus, the author, and the finisher of our faith. 
Get on that road less traveled. Get on that road of conviction and the red blood, the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That road not painted with self, but painted with others in mind. And say, God, you're going to use me in this last day. I'm going to stay on the right road. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. Leave your prayer requests out to the side. Would you circle around one to another? Let each other know you're praying and you're concerned about them. Someday, someday soon, one day soon, we're going to get together again. But until then, we gather in this mode, in this medium, just encouraging one another in the Lord and saying, we're going to make it. We're going to get through this. Let's stay together on the right path. Let's stay together on this. And let's see God unfold his majesty in the midst of our misery and let a bright light hit this road of darkness. And I know that he will. I believe he will. Share with others. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.